Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 168. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. session, we'll be picking up on Exodus chapter 20 and moving on to 21, chapter 21, etc. But before we do, I want to go back and revisit those 10 suggestions, excuse me, I mean 10 commandments, in light of what we talked about last time with regard to an examination of conscience, because I think this is so critical to relating to the Ten Commandments. Most of us kind of gloss over that and we say, well, I've never murdered anybody, so I don't have to worry about that one. So let's take a, a quick look at some of the commandments in light of our own lives in ways that we might not even think of where we are breaking uh, some of the commandments that we uh, consider that uh, we're okay with. For example, uh, the first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no strange gods before me. Okay, so you think, well, I'm pretty good with that. I don't worship idols. Well, in a sense, what if you receive Holy Communion in a state of mortal sin? Okay, uh, you are denying God there, aren't you, in a sense? Uh, failure to uh, yeah, or, or what if, what if you just are you're putting other things above God? You know, your your money, your job, you know, etc. In that sense, uh, you are uh, putting a strange God before you. Okay, what about um, um, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, in vain. Um, have uh, have you spoken God's name in anger? Or have you jokingly or irreverently spoken about God? Okay, something to keep in mind. What about this third one? Remember to keep holy the Lord's day. Well, have you failed to attend mass on Sundays or holy days of obligation without, without just cause? You know, for example, serious illness or impassable roads or something like that? Or do you routinely show up late for mass? Do you leave before uh, the mass is ended? You know, some people, they go up and receive communion and go uh, right out the door after, after that. There was a church that uh, I attended, one Catholic church, where they had a sign on the back door that said, and Judas left the mass early too. <laughs> meaning that he, he left the Last Supper early. So don't don't be like that. Keep the keep holy the Lord's day. Okay. Uh, you know, do you do you perform manual labor on Sundays? Um, not including, you know, enjoyable gardening or, you know, something enjoyable like that, but uh, uh, do, you do you fail to pay attention at Mass? These are things that you should consider in your examination of uh, conscience. And I'm not going to, these are all included in the handout that I've sent with the, with the lesson. But uh, just, uh, I want to highlight a, a few others that I personally uh, wonder about my, for my own conduct. You, uh, the fifth one we talked a little bit yesterday, you shall not kill 
so have you lost your temper or become unjustly angry at others? Uh, have you been a reckless driver? Okay, just, just things to keep in mind. Uh, what about killing, you shall not kill. What if you're doing things that uh, will probably send you to an early grave? You know, are you intentionally overindulging in food or drink? Are you a glutton? Uh, you know, are you picking fights with others? Uh, things, things of that nature. You shall not kill. Well, okay. Uh, have you consented to sterilization? Uh, uh, you know, that's that sort of thing. Practice contraception. Uh, needless to say, abortion would fall under that case. So, um, um, you shall not commit adultery. Well, what about, um, you know, do you, do you look at, um, do you look at, uh, pornography, for example, that is committing adultery, uh, under, under that sense, uh, under that, uh, definition there. So I guess what I'm saying is, uh, if you do a thorough examination of conscience, you will find things that keep you from having the best relationship you can have with God and, by extension, with your with your brothers and and sisters uh, in, in in Christ. So something to you know something to just consider. Okay seem to be having a little trouble with my microphone at this point. Hopefully we'll get that straightened out. Hopefully, hopefully. Okay, so uh, anyway, uh, I would encourage you to get a hold of a good examination of conscience. I've provided one for you, but uh, you may find another that you relate to better. Uh, online, just type in examination of conscience. So what I really want to do is take these 10 commandments and make them real. And we should all do an examination of conscience, ideally daily, uh, at the, at the end of the day, sit down and say, okay, what did I do today that I need to work on? But I, I want to add, God is a merciful God and whatever it is that you have done, God is there waiting to forgive you. Okay, uh, you need to ask for his forgiveness, just as you would if you disobeyed your parents. And so God is the ultimate parent. He will forgive you, but not if you're obstinate about it. Not if you say, I did this, I enjoyed doing it. You want me to be happy, God, so I do this thing, and uh, so leave me alone. No, it doesn't work that way. God wants the best of you, okay? He loves you no matter who you are or what you have done, uh, he, he loves you just the way you are, but he also loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay that way, okay? So, uh, make a good confession if any of these things apply to you. Um, and even if you have not committed a mortal sin, um, that is to say, a sin of serious nature that you are aware is wrong and that you committed uh, knowingly and willingly. In other words, nobody forced you to do it. Even if you didn't commit one of those types of sins, known as a mortal sin, uh, venial sins have a way of working their way into your consciousness in such a way that you keep committing these venial sins and eventually 
you're you're you know you're subjecting yourself. You're going down a bad path, if you will, uh, to a point where it becomes uh, a mortal sin. So I would encourage you to go to confession frequently. I know Pope John Paul II said that I believe he went to confession once a week. So John Paul II uh, is considered a saint. And But he also uh, would be the first to tell you that he is a fallible human being. He's only infallible when teaching the entire church on matters of faith and morals, but was not infallible in his personal life. And he'd be the first one to tell you that. So go to if it's good enough for John Paul II, I would say it ought to be good enough for most of us, right? So uh, it doesn't have to be once a week. But uh, I, it seems to me that it ought to be more than once a year for most of us. Plus, you you get, uh, you know, the, the priest acting in persona Christi saying, I absolve you. And that's pretty strong. Plus, you have to do an examination before you go to confession. And I think uh, if you if you follow that policy, if you go along that list that I just did, you'll find some things that you will want to correct. Again, the Ten Commandments, as we said last time, are a mirror. We look at them to see where we are dirty, what needs to be cleaned up. So that's uh, probably all I want to say about that. Uh, moving on in chapter 20, we see the fear of God. Okay, Many times, particularly in the Old Testament, We'll hear of the fear of God. You know, you should be afraid of God, right? Well, that's not really what it means, okay? When when the Bible talks about, uh, you know, he's a God-fearing man, what that means, words change meaning over time, as we've said before. The word gay when I was a boy meant you were just happy, and now it generally means that you're homosexual, okay? So as it is with fear, uh, fear at the at the, for the people for whom this was originally written, uh, fear meant respect, awe, and earlier in this chapter twenty, uh, the people certainly got a uh, a good dose of awe, right? Because we saw there was thunder and lightning and smoke on the mountain, and you know the people are uh, at that moment they probably were afraid, if you will. But uh, we see in verse 20 of Exodus chapter 20, where Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, uh, for God has come to you only to test you and put his fear upon you, lest you should sin. So what does it mean? Hey, a little shock and awe, you know, the smoke, the lightning, the thunder, all of that stuff, just to let you know, hey... Uh, I, I need you to respect me, okay? I'm serious about this, and I'm serious about these commandments, okay? So, you know, if, if he did not appear, uh, in, in such an awesome way, uh, the people would not likely, uh, remember it as well, okay? All right. So, in the rest of chapter 20, we see that the, you know, the Lord says, hey, you're going to, verse 24, an altar of earth you shall make for me, and upon it you shall offer sacrifice. You shall sacrifice your holocausts. Holocaust, by the way, means sacrifice, okay? Uh, 
and peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. So in other words, hey, on my birthday, if we were talking today, hey, it would be nice if you would send me a card, okay? It would be nice if you would acknowledge my birthday. I certainly acknowledge you every single day. And uh, so how about, how about that? Are we going to have a relationship or not? All right, moving on to chapter 21, we see laws regarding slaves. And uh, when you purchase a Hebrew slave, he is to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he shall be given his freedom without cost. Now, uh, a lot of people who are anti-Christian, anti-Bible even, you know, they'll say, I would not go for a uh, I, I, I can't believe in a book that doesn't say slavery is wrong, get rid of it. You know, it, and uh, it is true that nowhere in the Bible does it explicitly say that a person can't have slaves. Uh, yet, a couple of points must be made. First of all, as you saw in what I just read you, verse uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 21, it says the slave serves you for six years, but in the seventh year, he shall be given his freedom without cost. Okay, so what are we talking about here? We're not talking about slavery as was practiced in the American South in the 1700s and 1800s. Um, we are talking uh, here about the uh, pro uh, something called being an indentured servant, whereby you owed somebody a debt that you could not pay. So you'd say, I'll tell you what, I'll work it off for you. You know, I'll sign up for, you know, six years, five years, four years, whatever, to pay off that debt. And uh, so you willingly chose to, to do that, right? And you would be given your freedom without cost in the seventh year, no matter what was, uh, what was owed, okay? Um, so I... Uh, it, it, the, the discussion about slavery in the Bible is, of course, plays right into the Catholic position that the Bible alone should not be a believer's sole, um, uh, element of truth. Okay. The Bible is all true for the sake of our salvation, as we've said many times, but, uh, all truth is not in the Bible. So the reason why we don't have slaves now is because of the big, bad Catholic Church, okay? Because the Catholic Church has said, no, that's, that's just wrong. And where does the Catholic Church get the authority to do that? You guessed it. Matthew chapter 16, verses 17, 18, and 19, roughly, where Jesus says, uh, Peter, you're the rock, Petros changes his name, um, and on this rock I will build my church. And um, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom and the power to bind and loose. So whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. So Peter, I should say the successors of Peter, because we believe in apostolic authority and how that is passed on, have declared that slavery of all types like this are wrong you know, morally wrong, okay? So big bad secret, um, the, uh, the uh, one large Protestant group, probably the largest Protestant group, 
um, was an offshoot of another Protestant group uh, during and after the Civil War. Uh, This Southern denomination of a Protestant group said, hey, there's nowhere in the Bible that says we can't own slaves, so we think it's okay to own slaves. This is in the 1800s, obviously. And the Northern group said, no, okay. Well, what what authority would either the Northern or the Southern group have? Were they given the keys to the kingdom by Jesus Christ? No, they were not. But uh, big bad secret, that is a big reason why the Southern group of these um, um, of this denomination broke off from the Northern group. It was over slavery. And uh, the Southern group, it was their contention that the Bible alone, remember that's a phrase that came from Luther, uh, the Bible alone should be the sole rule of authority. And as we've pointed out, the Bible alone does not speak specifically about slavery. Although it's certainly implicit uh, uh, in speaking about slavery, as Jesus spoke about how to treat each other. And we've covered that extensively in the New Testament, Paul's, uh, Paul's letter to Philemon, um, etc., uh, and, and Paul's other letters. So I won't go into any great detail on that. I will, however, note that we are about out of time. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you've given us these 10 commandments, and they are, in fact, commandments. But um, we, uh, we know that we need to do a thorough examination of conscience and take a look at each and every one of those as often as possible to see how we are um, we are breaking these commandments in sometimes subtle ways. Um, and so we ask you to give us the grace, the willingness to change, and the desire to do an examination of conscience and to follow up with that and to go to you in prayer and to go to you as needed and ask for your forgiveness. We know you are a merciful God and you will forgive us of anything if we are not so stiff-necked that we fail, uh, you know, to that we are not so stiff-necked that we do not seek your forgiveness. Uh, We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.